Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Hi, everybody. How you guys doing this morning? My name is Taylor Johnson. I'm a stand-up comedian, and uh, that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years, traveling around the country, telling embarrassing stories about myself, and that's what I'm going to do for you guys this morning. The kind of, best way for me to introduce myself is to let you know I'm kind of an awkward person. I'm a little awkward in social situations. Anybody else? You're a little bit awkward? Anybody? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I just, I do things without thinking. Have you ever tickled someone and then realized you weren't good enough friends with them to have done that? Like, ha, 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 we're having a good time, got to go, oh no, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I tickled you, that's a weird apology to make, I'm sorry ma'am, in line at Walmart, I thought we were having a good time, no, don't call the cops, I'll leave, that's me, that's my whole life, have you ever sneezed and you felt something leave your face and you don't know where it landed, that's the scariest moment of my life, is it on me, is it on her? And then you tickle her. Um, I say things without thinking, too. Like one time I was doing stand-up, and I was like, I want to tell you the story of my first kiss. And a kid in the front row shouted out, your mom doesn't count. And I said, no, but yours does. And I, like, felt it leave my face, and I was like, oh, no. I was afraid he would be like, she's here. And I'd be like, oh, hi. Um, my first kiss, my first kiss, I was a sophomore in high school. I was a sophomore. She was a senior. Senior citizen. She is my grandma's friend. Uh, I'm awkward everywhere. Public bathrooms make me especially nervous because there's so much that could go wrong in a public bathroom. You know, the, some public bathrooms, it's a one-person bathroom, and you get to lock the door. Now, when you're in there, the door's locked, and someone knocks. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I just, no, thank you. What do you? There are some one-person bathrooms where the door is over here, but the actual toilet is, like, all the way over here. So you better make sure you lock the door. Because if you haven't, someone starts to open it, you're like, oh, no! That's as far as you get, and you're just like, hey. <laughs> there are some one-person bathrooms where there's a mirror right in front of the toilet. Why? Why is that there? It's usually at Starbucks, and you're just sitting there, and there you are. Just like, ugh. I don't want to avoid eye contact with myself. I don't want to know what I look like in that situation. I'm terrible at setting goals, which I wish I was better at it. I don't have goals. I have a lot of things that I would like to have happen, but I'm not doing anything about it to make it happen. Like, I would love to have abs. I would love it if I just had a six-pack. That would be the greatest thing in the world. If I just, like, rip my shirt off right now and just, like, just pow, just all of you guys would be like, wow, like, blown away, just abs everywhere, just one on my butt, one on my forehead, just be incredible. But I don't have that. I have the opposite. If I rip my shirt off right now, two of you would throw up. Like, that's... And I'm not doing anything about it to make it happen either. I do the opposite. Just every night I rub Whataburger on my stomach. It's like, yes. I'm not going to get abs that way. I'm awkward, so I'm bad at confrontation. I wish I was better at it. Because there are some people I would like to confront, but I don't know how. 
Like, okay, you ever been, like, you're leaving a restaurant, you're walking out the front door, and you see, like, a little old couple behind you, and you decide to stop and hold the door for them? And not one of those where you're like, hurry! Not one of those. But you have stopped, you have planted your feet, you are holding the door with both hands. You have committed to this. And when they walk through, the old man puts his hand on the door. Why? Do you not trust me? Do you think I'm luring you into a trap? And when you get halfway through, I'm just going to go, Kata! <laughs> Somebody else I would like to confront, but I don't know how. Okay, so I'm a part of a team that does school assemblies throughout the year. We go into junior highs and high schools, and we do assemblies. And uh, we bring a bunch of people with us. We have three different, usually like two or three different speakers for every assembly. And sometimes we bring a photographer with us to take pictures of these assemblies. We want these pictures to look as cool as possible. We want these to be the best pictures so we can put them on our website, we can put them on social media, and we can show it to other schools. We want them to be so cool so that other principals will see the pictures and be like, wow, I want that at my school. One time we brought a photographer with us, and he spent all day with us, and he took like 80 pictures. And I want to confront him because of some of these pictures. So there were three speakers at this assembly. There was Kyle, the guy in charge of the team. There was a rapper, and there was me. Let me show you some of these pictures, and maybe you'll understand why. So go ahead and put the first one up. That's Kyle. Wow, what a great picture. Look at that shot. That's great. All those students, he's inspiring them. Doesn't that look awesome? Go to the next one. This one's the rapper. Again, what a great picture. All those kids behind him, he looks great. That's amazing. Go to the next one. This one's a youth pastor making an announcement. He had the microphone for like two minutes, and he still got an awesome picture. What I am about to show you <laughs> is, I'm not even joking, literally the only picture this guy took of my face. He took 80 pictures throughout the whole day. There are three speakers. I'm one of the main speakers. Everybody else looks awesome. 80 pictures out of all of those. The only one he took of my face is this. Go ahead and sh- why? <laughs> why? You can't even tell I'm one of the speakers. It looks like I just got fired. It looks like, yeah, we got a sad chubby guy on our team. Why did he do that? Is he mad at me? Does he hate me? I don't understand. I want to confront him, but I don't know how. All right, you can make that go away. I'm, I've been awkward like my whole life. I just do like dumb stuff all the time. I grew up in church. I went to church my whole life. I went to youth camp every single year. I loved it so much, especially camp my sophomore year of high school. It was the best, most memorable, especially the services, especially one service in particular. And like during worship, it was like, I, it still sticks out in my mind because like everybody was like all in. Everybody was like just like really going for it. Just super pumped. Everyone is expressing how much they love Jesus in all these different ways. Some people were jumping up and down. Some people were dancing. Some people were crying. Some people were kneeling. And I was pumped. And I want to express how much I love Jesus too. But I'm not thinking and I'm too excited. And so I'm just standing there just like, yeah. And then I ripped my shirt off. That's real. That's true. I just went, Jesus. And I was just wearing a button-up shirt and just hulked out and just brrrah, buttons flew over. I threw it down. Just, yeah, I was not wearing a shirt on underneath. Just, yeah, just sweaty in my nip. And just, yeah. And I was like pumped. I was proud of myself. 
Is I just pictured God in heaven looking down like, man, I wonder who down there loves me the most. Whoa! Awesome! But really, God was probably more like, why? I didn't ask you to do that. Put your shirt on, bro. The end of the worship time, we were spread out in this big gymnasium, so my youth pastor gets up on stage, has us all sit down wherever we are. I sit down on the floor, people sit down around me, and that's when people started to notice. Because nobody saw it when it happened, right? We're all facing the stage, we're all facing one direction. The only person who would have seen it was the worship leader, and would have loved to have known what was going through his mind. Just like, oh yeah, everything's going great, everyone's just loving on God, that guy ripped his shirt off. Am I going to get in trouble? Is that all he's going to rip off? Why did that make you laugh so hard? How dare you? Just kidding. Here is the most embarrassing part of that story, and this is true. At this camp, I was a counselor. I was in charge of a bunch of little junior high boys. My job is to make sure they don't do anything crazy. And then here I am, just, here we go! <laughs> so that night, I have a bunch of very confused junior high boys when we're back at our little dorm, and they're like, uh, Mr. Taylor, why did you rip your shirt off? And I had to be like, for Jesus? And they were like, are we supposed to rip our shirts off? I was like, no, no. But how awesome would it have been the next night, me and an army of junior high boys, we bust into first service, first song starts, and we're all just like, ah! The worship leader's like, what have I done? I used to be so embarrassed by how awkward I was, and and then I just kind of like embrace it. I like love awkward topics. I love talking about things that usually make us uncomfortable. Death is one of those topics that we don't really know how to talk about it. We don't know how to bring it up or... Talk about it when someone passes away. I don't understand why when someone passes, we think it's like a great thing that they died doing what they loved. Or at least they died doing what they loved. That makes no sense to me at all. I don't want do, to die doing what I love. I love doing stand-up. I'm not thinking right now, like, I want to die. <laughs> I don't want to die. I want to die doing what I hate. That would be awesome. Like, if you're like, oh, you hear what happened to Taylor? He was about to do his taxes, and then he died. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, did you hear about Taylor? It was about to be the greeting time at church, and he passed away. Like, oh, man, he dodged a bullet. (laughs) This is what I do full-time. I travel around the country. I get to tell embarrassing stories about myself. I I really love getting to do this. Uh, I forgot to do this last time. Could you put up the picture? It's like... Uh, this, if you want to follow me or anything on social media, go, yeah, so followtaylor.com. You can sign up for a newsletter I put out every Monday morning with like updates and links to stuff that I've made or links to other stuff. If you've enjoyed me, you could also might enjoy this stuff as well. I'm putting out a book in September uh, with a lot of like funny stories, but also um, other stuff that I've talked about on stage. And so if you'd be interested in following me, you can go to followtaylor.com and uh, sign up for a newsletter. All right, you can make that go away. I'm going to tell you guys a story. There's a true story that's really happened. And before I tell it, I, I, need you to tr- I need you to trust me, okay? I need you to trust me with this story. I'm going somewhere with this. There's a reason why I'm telling you this story, okay? So here it is. 
So like I said, I'm a part of a team that does school assemblies throughout the year. We go into junior highs and high schools, and we have a big team that comes with us because we want the assemblies to be as exciting and as fun as possible. We don't want it to be just like a boring thing where just one person gets up and talks for a really long time. We bring like screens and projectors and we show really funny videos before we start as people are coming in. We used to have a DJ who would travel with us and play really exciting pump up music before we'd get started. We'd always like have different games that we would play as an icebreaker before we would start. We say, they say we want it to feel like a pep rally that turns into an assembly. It's really fun. Then we transition into the serious stuff. There was a while there where we were trying to figure out new games that we could play before the assembly actually began. And one time we were on our way to an assembly and a guy on our team was like, hey, I've got an idea for a game that we could play today. I saw it on Jimmy Fallon last night. Here's what you do. You get two people to come down to the front and you have them go back and forth saying a random word as fast as they can. Try to see who can keep it going the longest without stuttering, stammering, repeating a word, or just drawing a blank and not being able to think of anything. So just back and forth, back and forth. It's like to see who can keep it going. And everyone else was like, yeah, that would be really funny. That sounds awesome. Let's do that. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. You want to put a microphone in front of a junior high boy's face and say, say any word. (laughs) Say the first word that comes to your mind. I'm like, that sounds like a terrible idea. They're like, no, 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 it'll be great. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I'm like, okay, but can we at least, can we be the ones to hold the microphones? Just in case something goes terribly wrong, we can like pull it away and like get them out of there. Whatever we have to do. And they're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But I'm still very nervous. We're doing three assemblies that day. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. First assembly, kids are coming in. Hey, we're going to play a game. We need two students. Come on down. You're going to say any word. Don't say any word. And they're like, okay. We play the game. It goes fine. Second assembly. Hey, we need two students. Play this game. Say any word. Don't say any word. It goes fine. Third assembly. Hey, we need two students. Come on down. Say any word. Don't say any word. It goes fine. And then we say, let's get two teachers down here. (laughs) So we get an older white lady and a younger black lady to come down to the front. And we start playing the game. And usually, you can tell what someone is thinking by the words that they are saying. Usually, it's a stream of consciousness. Whatever first person says, the next person says a word that kind of has to do with it. Bird, tree, cat, dog, grass, green. You can tell what someone is thinking. At one point, the older white lady says the word ghetto out of nowhere. And we're like, hey, wait, what? Hey, what? Hey, wait, what? Why did she? Hey, wait, what? And then, we kept playing. And then the older white lady says a word that starts with the letter N and ends with you getting fired. And she said it loud and clear. It wasn't like, ba-ba. It was like, ba-ba! Everyone freaked out, as they should, because it is bananas that she did this. All the kids go crazy. Everyone on our team reacts differently. And I know this because when it was on the news a few days later, I 
was able to watch the different ways that everyone reacted. The guy who was holding the microphone in front of the teacher who said it just put his shirt over his face as if that would hide him. The DJ was behind a little media booth and he just kind of slowly hid himself. I was holding the microphone in front of the other teacher and I just went, nope, and I ran away. I ran over to Kyle, the guy in charge of the team, and I just went up to him like, hey, can we just leave? Can we just pack up and go? Because there's no way we'll be able to get their attention again. And kids are still going nuts. We'll never be able to finish this assembly. We've lost them. It's over. Let's just go home and defeat. And he's like, no, 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 we can still do this. The older white lady grabs the microphone, calms everybody down and says, now, anybody who's been in my class knows, am I racist? And a bunch of kids went, no. Like she's had to do this before. Again, I believe there's no way we can still do this assembly. The kids are still going crazy. They're still going wild. Kyle says, no, go over there, start the countdown, we'll get started. So we start the countdown video. Kids are still going nuts. They calm down maybe a little bit. We play another video. Still a little bit crazy. We play one more video. And then we just kind of pause. And then we moved on as if nothing happened. Literally every single person in that room suddenly pretended like what just happened never did. Nobody mentioned it. Nobody said anything about it. It was never addressed. And we did the assembly as if it was totally normal. And every single person went along with it. And in the moment, I thought this was crazy. I didn't even know this was going to be possible. How are we able to do this? But later, looking back on it now, I hate how easy it was for us to do that. And I think it was easy for us to do that because we practice doing that every day of our life. That a lot of times something will happen, that we could say something about it, we could address it, we could get involved, or we can just kind of pause and move on as if nothing happened. Like it could be something big and severe that you see out in public, the way that someone is being treated or talked to, that you could say something, that you could get involved, or you can kind of pause and move on as if nothing happened. Or it could be something much smaller and more subtle that we don't think about. Like you're out in the parking lot after service on a Sunday, and you're talking to a friend, and you say, hey, how's your family doing? And they say, ah, we're, we're good. And you know they paused for half a second too long, and you know there's so much more to that story And if you would just ask one more question, they would be willing to open up and tell you everything about what's going on. But you've got plans and you got people waiting for you at the restaurant or you got things that you have to do, errands you have to run before work. You got got a life that you have to go back to. And so you kind of just pause and move on as if nothing happened. Or maybe you're in the other position. There is something going on in your life. And you know every time you come to church on Sunday, you could talk to somebody about it. But it's very risky to do that. So when the opportunity presents itself, you kind of pause and move on and pretend like nothing is happening. We have a really big problem in our culture today. Loneliness. We have a loneliness epidemic in our culture That more and more people are feeling more and more lonely. And this is not like a little problem that we can brush off to the side. They've done studies and found that loneliness has the same physical effect on you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It can affect your heart. It can affect your health. And loneliness is not the same as social isolation. That's where you only have one or two people that you see. You live on a mountain. You don't talk to anybody. You're socially isolated. That doesn't really have much to do with loneliness. 
You can have a ton of people in your life. You can be super involved at church or at work. You can have a huge family. You can be married and be lonely because it's not about the number of people in your life. It's about the quality of the connection that you have with them. So if you have 30 people that you see every day, but none of them really know you, they know 5 10% of who you are. They know 50%, but they don't know about what's happening at home. They know 75%, but they don't know about the worries that keep you up at night, that you keep everybody at arm's length away. It could lead you to being lonelier and lonelier. And when we kind of pause and move on as if nothing's happening, it can only make the problem worse. And I understand why we do it. Why we keep people at arm's length away. Why we try to keep things shallow. Because it's risky to open up. It's risky to let someone in on your life. It's risky to tell someone about yourself because you have no idea how they're going to react or how they're going to respond to it. Every time you take a step closer to someone, you are taking a risk because that could be the thing that makes them change their mind about you. That could be the thing that makes them turn their back on you altogether. It's risky to open up. Like right now. Right now, you guys don't know much of anything about me, right? Maybe 5 10% of who I am as a person. It's a pretty big distance between us. Every time I take a step closer and tell you something new about myself, I am taking a risk because I don't know how you'll react or how you'll respond. But if I take a step closer and I tell you that when I was a kid, I would judge how good my day was by how bad my socks smelt. Do you feel how weird it just got in here for a second? <laughs> Everyone's like, why? <laughs> it's risky to open up and tell you something. And this wasn't like, I would just, at the end of the day, I would take my socks off and I'd smell them. And if they smelled really bad, I'd be like, oh, it's been a good day. <laughs> People didn't know this. It was like a secret. It wasn't like my mom was like, how was your day? And I was like, let's find out. Ah! It wasn't like that. <laughs> I'm 29 years old, but still every once in a while... At the end of the day, I'll take my socks off and I'll smell them and I'll be like, well, oh, it's been a good day. <laughs> See, I don't know how you'll react when I tell you something about myself. It's risky to let people in. When I was a kid, I picked my nose. I still pick my nose. We all pick our nose. <laughs> it's okay. We need to be able to admit this. Don't pretend like you don't. We all do. You all do. Sometimes you get a real crusty one up there. You got to get your hands dirty, all right? (laughs) Don't act like you don't. But when I was a kid, I would pick my nose and I would eat it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Deal with it. I'm letting you in. I never had an imaginary friend when I was a kid, but I had an imaginary waiter who lived in my nose. And I'd be like, what's on the menu today? (laughs) It's risky. (laughs) My dad has Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, the disease that affects your memory and starts with you get lost in a conversation, you forget what we talked about, and... And then one day, for for most people, it gets to a point where you don't know who the people in your life are anymore. And what's crazy about it is you don't know when that's going to happen. There's no, like, set timeline of, at this point, this happens, at three months, this happens, at two years, this happens. It's just, it is different for everybody. 
And sometimes it goes fast and sometimes it goes slow or sometimes it goes slow for a while and then just one day you wake up and things are totally different. And it's scary. And it's a real weird thing to deal with. And there are days where it's hard or there are days you find out something new and it kind of freaks you out. And, and I don't know how to open up to my friends about it sometimes. How do I take that step closer with them? I don't want to ruin their day. I don't want to bum everybody out. I don't want to become the guy and that's the guy who like that's the only thing that anyone ever talks about with me. So sometimes it feels easier to not take that step closer with people. Sometimes it feels like I'm the only one dealing with something like this. But how many of you in here have had to, at one point, had to deal with the health of a parent, whether it was Alzheimer's or cancer or some other thing? Would you just raise your hand? What a relief to see that I am not alone, that I am not the only one. That is a comfort to me that makes me know that I don't have to pause and move on as if nothing's happening, that I can take a step closer. But sometimes, even though you know that people around you might be going through something similar, coming to church and having to be like before God can still feel so intimidating because who am I? Like, I just, going to him with my problems can sometimes feel ridiculous. Like, if I take a step closer with God, there's going to be some point where he changes his mind about me because of this thing that I haven't taken a step forward with because he is God and he is perfect and There's no way he's going to let me get any closer. But fortunately for us, God knows that this is a fear that we have, and he offers us the perfect relief to this. And I find it in Hebrews chapter 4. This is a passage talking about who Jesus is, and it says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in who every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. What is so great about our God is that he did not see it right to stay far away from us, looking down on us from heaven, but he stepped out of perfection in heaven and stepped into our world as a human being and lived a life like ours and experienced the lives that we have to live every day. And he was tempted in every way as we are. And because of that, he can sympathize with our weakness because he has been where we are. Have you ever had a friend betray you? So is Jesus. Have you ever felt like your family didn't believe in you? So is Jesus. Have you ever not been able to sleep all night because you were so stressed about what tomorrow would be? So is Jesus. Have you ever been so alone and tempted to sin? So is Jesus. Have you ever prayed for something to happen and it didn't happen? So has Jesus. In the garden before he is arrested to be taken to crucified, he prays and asks God if there is another way. And God says, no, this is my will. And Jesus submits and he says, yes, I will do this. But still he prayed and he had to deal with that. And what's so great about this passage is it's not just the fact that he can relate to us and he can sympathize with us, that we can go to him with our life and he can say, oh man, I've been there. Ah oh man, I know, I know how hard that can be. 
But there's another step forward that this passage offers us at the next point. Because of this, because of who Jesus is and that he's lived a life like ours, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can take a step closer to him and never ever fear that what we take a step forward with will ever make him change his mind about us because he will never change his mind about us. If he is forgiven and loved and accepted and changed you once, there is nothing that you can do in your life to pull yourself away from that. He will always be there for you. And because of that, we can go to him with confidence. Not waiting, not afraid, but we can go to him because he will offer us the help that we need. He knows the perfect help that you need for whatever situation you're in. So you can take a step closer because he will offer it up freely. But sometimes it still feels hard because God feels so far away sometimes. And yes, we can read this or we can read in the Gospels the way that he loves those who feel so broken and those who feel like they don't deserve to be anywhere near Jesus. And we can see his character in that, but sometimes it's hard to believe that that still applies to me and where I am right now. And luckily for us, Jesus did not leave us here alone. He says that Christians are here to be his ambassadors, to be his representatives, to be a mirror to reflect who Jesus is. So when we feel like we can't take a step forward with Jesus, when we fear what his reaction would be when we take a step closer, we can look to pastors and leaders and other Christ followers Because the way that they look at you is the way Jesus looks at you. The way they love you is the way Jesus loves you. The way they sit with you and they're patient with you. And the way that they listen and love, the way that they cry with you is the way that Jesus would cry with you. And as we enter into the summer, where we get to have a lot of fun, and you're a part of a church that loves to laugh and have fun. But even when Pastor Chad talk to me about this Sunday morning. He said, like, we want to have fun. We want to have a great time, but we want to pause at the end for a message to bring it together for a point that even in having fun, this church never wants to pause and move on as if nothing is happening because they want to be here for you and they want to point you to Jesus. And that is a beautiful church to belong to. Thank you guys.